welcome in to TYT The Conversation. I am your host, Adrian Lawrence, and these are some thrilling and absolutely terrifying times. But fortunately, with me, I have as a guest, the man with all the intel, resident TYT voice, you know him well, the host of the Benjamin Dixon Show. Welcome in, Mr. Ben Dixon. Adrian, it is good to be with you. I, I accidentally, I almost started giving the um, the announcement at the beginning. Welcome to the conversation. I'm not used to being on this side of the couch. Well, it's good to have you here, especially given all that is going on yeah. in Washington and unfortunately across the nation. You know, we're just some 24 hours out from an attempted coup by Trump and his minions who attacked the US Capitol building with the apparent kind of permission of DC law enforcement. But what about this insurgency really resonates with you? The fact that Donald Trump and the Republican Party still, they have not come to terms with the fact that they are responsible for this and by not directly condemning it. Right now they're coddling it, but by not directly crushing it, they are allowing it to grow and fester into something that's gonna be worse the next time around. And let's hope there is no next time. But the reality is, is that word on the street is that, hey, they might be going after state capitol buildings or after other forms of government to try to really overturn things, you know, because they don't want the presidency of President elect Joe Biden to go forward. And so, how do you think that lawmakers, maybe at the state or even the federal level, need to respond in order to quash this? I think it's time for us to have a real. Um, reckoning with truth. We are in a post truth society like nothing I've ever seen. And there really is no way to piece us back together. The tapestry that was already fragile, right? Let's be sure America was not great at any point because there was always somebody upon which America stood for their greatness. And so if we don't get to the core of the problem here, we're just gonna be chasing the specter of, of democracy while conservatives burn it down around us. Absolutely, and it seems that they're willing to burn it down at the expense of everyone to try mm -hmm. to maintain that monopoly of power because they don't want people like us, brown and black people to have vote and to be mm -hmm. able to make change. And we're seeing this coming off of the Georgia Senator election, which hey, we got both seats there. But in terms of moving forward and where we can go with this, do you think that there needs to be some kind of substantive punishment for these insurrectionists who essentially are trying to leverage this coup? Yeah, no, absolutely. There has to be consequences for this. And listen, I'm not, you know, I am for defunding the police. I am for contracting or dismantling the empire. So I am, I am not one to push law and order. But at the same time, if America does not punish these people, they're sending a message that there is a level of white anger that can go completely unpunished when we can't even ask cops to stop killing us without them spraying us with tear gas. You're sending the wrong message, but we're hearing you loud and clear, America. Absolutely, and it's something that we saw where we saw police essentially pulling back those barricades so that we could have these domestic terrorists rush yeah. our Capitol building. And just to watch that and to see the photos, it's very scary because it's an exercise of white supremacy, really with the permission and almost participation of law enforcement. And it was very much a sight to see where we saw these terrorized lawmakers and their staff. They're, you know, they're hunkering down, they're afraid, and the vandalism going on for this historic federal building, all while the law enforcement stands idly by. And so, what do you think the role that law enforcement played in this coup? I mean, it's their coup, right? 
because this is their these are their people. These are their brethren. This is their clan, no pun intended, right? This is their squad. So of course they're gonna open up the doors one way or another, right? They're also opening up the doors by not putting their hands on their guns as they are approached by people fighting them. Had those people been black or brown, they would be dead. So they're showing at every single stop that these are their comrades. These are their comrades in arms. And, and they're showing a level of solidarity with white supremacy that is now a direct threat to American democracy. And I would say the only thing that will stop it is when they become a direct threat to American imperialism. Because I got a sneaky suspicion the military industrial complex won't put up with this. Yeah, well, we'll definitely see because it's, it's really disappointing and devastating just to have that thrown in our faces once again. Yeah. You wanted to think a lot of the trauma from 2020 was left back in that year, but no, nah, man, we aren't even. <laughs> A full 10 days into 2021, and it's just smacking us in the face. We can't get to break, can we? Like, I thought we left this at 20. No, I didn't really think that, but because I still feel like I'm stuck in 2020. But, you know, we'll, we'll get out of this soon enough. Let's hope so. And, well, uh, we learned that uh, VP Mike Pence is the one that pulled the trigger, so to speak, on the National Guard to go to the mm -hmm. Capitol building yesterday. And that's usually a call that's made by the president. So with talk of the 25th Amendment kind of looming around, you know, there's only two weeks left. Can you actually foresee Trump being dethroned by Pence? No, he doesn't have to at this point, right? So we saw we saw Donald Trump backpedal as much as he's ever going to backpedal. And so I think there's a possibility that, well, here's the question. To what end is this monster bigger than Donald Trump, the creator, right? Donald Trump. And actually, no, I got to go one step further because it's the Republican Party. One step, it's just, this is America's monster. I'm sorry, I was going to lay this at Donald Trump, but I can't, I can't do that to him. He's just a participant in this. And so the real question is, is this monster bigger than what America can handle? Because if not, or if so, we might be in trouble. And what I mean by that very specifically is this, Donald Trump tried to push them back telling them to go home. He did his best while still recognizing that he stands in solidarity with them. If that is not sufficient for the monster that they created, there is no stopping this. And the military industrial complex may have to get involved because that becomes a real threat to some order that I think these conservatives don't realize they're they're stepping on new toes here. Oh No, I completely agree, but I almost feel like that this monster is America. This is just one aspect and a very large aspect Absolutely. of the United States. It's built this militarized police state and, and essentially these bodies that are all throughout the country and operating with different agencies, different cities, but they all share this brother in kind of thing going. And then you have these people who think they're part of a militia or they're just these weekend warriors, but they're mm -hmm. all officially operating together. And hey, I'm concerned that they're going to go full kind of you know civil war on us. And I'm just sitting here you know, trying to be good in quarantine. Yeah. And it makes you wonder, what are we gonna do? You know, I, I wonder to what extent the people who voted alongside these individuals were actually instituting this coup. I wonder if, um, you know, my conserv let me do it like this. My conservative friends who went to the university with me in Mississippi. Love you guys, mean it, but are you gonna stand by this? Because this is what time it is. Like, I, I don't want to step on anyone's toes. Who you vote for is, is your prerogative, but we all have to agree that this has to stop. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, it does have to stop. And I think you're absolutely right in terms of people don't fully realize or appreciate the nature of the beast because uh, that beast will turn on them quickly. Ugh. And 
it's just it's so weird to me because it's like we have no sense of reflection or self awareness because history repeats itself. I could have told you how this was going to end, and in fact, I think most of us did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we saw this coming. Um, I, I saw this coming. Like my 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 podcast over the summer was pretty fire and brimstone, uh, gloom and doom, and and I thought, well, okay, let me throttle it back because maybe it's just me. But I knew this was coming because this is this is where it was always going. When democracy is so fragile and it's dependent on agreement between gentlemen, so to speak, right? And when it's when it's not codified that we could have a or should have a peaceful transfer of power, and then you get somebody like Donald Trump. Who's perfectly fit to exploit that? Of course, it was always coming to this. Mm-hmm. And as we saw, um, what when he was at the presidential debates talking about uh, standby, that kind of business. Yeah. Please, yeah. this was just a matter of time. And Absolutely. to see that these Republican lawmakers were essentially just stoking this fire and sitting there wondering what's going to happen. Really, mm, we were all we were all there. Everybody knows. Yeah, and and that's the thing, like that the. the this is not just everybody is complicit here. I think the only people who don't have to worry about this one are black people. Stand down, stand by. This is not our fight. Let the white supremacists fight with fight with the military industrial complex. None of them have ever done us any good. Let's see who comes out on the other side. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And the best way to do this is to stay off the streets, stay safe and stay out of it. Because at the end of the day, as we got to see this past summer, when people like us were out in the streets protesting just not being murdered by police, we are the first ones to be targeted. The level of violence law enforcement came at us with, and also just the level of acceptance that many members of society were okay with that going down. So it's best to definitely stand back, stand by. Yeah, and what does that say about our society, right? We have incentivized the most repugnant behaviors. Um, we incentivize greed, individualism, selfishness, anger. I mean, the algorithms on YouTube, no offense, YouTube, but you guys do incentivize this everywhere on all sides. And so we just have to kind of find our own way to survive the chaos around us. Absolutely. And we are surviving every day. And so, Mr. Dixon, when people are looking to survive and they want to hear your melodious voice and your insight, <laughs> where can they find you? <laughs> they. Find me on YouTube. Uh, don't find me on Twitter anymore. I'm done there. But YouTube, you can find us here. Everywhere. Wait, you quit Twitter? I'm I'm done. I'm not deleting it. But I I've got nothing else to say. We've said enough. Now it's time to be about it. I respect that very much. Well, I will catch you on YouTube, correct? On to YouTube, absolutely. And thanks so much. It's always a pleasure speaking with you, sis. You are amazing at what you do. Thank you, sir. Let's continue the conversation. I am joined by seasoned civil rights attorney who's been branded one of the brightest and most well-respected voices in conversations on law, civil rights, and also criminal justice. Welcome in Charles Coleman Jr. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Glad to be here, Adrian. So the last 24 hours has been absolutely wild in terms of the justice system or lack thereof when it comes to justice, but operating in a very duplicitous manner. As we saw uh, hordes of people really rushing and breaking into the Capitol with almost the escort of the Capitol Police. Yet no one seemed to be arrested. I think they just counted, I think under 15 arrests. Uh, There was one woman who was shot and I believe she did die, but it was nothing like the level of force and violence that we saw go on last summer with Breonna Taylor and George Floyd's protests. So how does this resonate with you? 
I think if there was ever a question about the two Americas that we talk about oftentimes with regard to the criminal justice system, this is exactly it. This is exactly indicative of what so many people in different communities have said about the fact that police operate differently when they are dealing with different people and different groups of people and different demographics in America. If you look at what the response was to protests and rioters across the country nationwide in the wake of civil unrest surrounding George Floyd, in the wake of civil unrest around Jacob Blake, and also, of course, in the wake around of civil unrest around Breonna Taylor, it pales in comparison in terms of the level of force and aggression to what we saw today in terms of the Capitol Police. You mentioned the word escort. I've literally seen videos where police, Capitol Police just decided to move the barricades and allow protesters to, to go about their way and, and instead of being overrun. And it really does strike me as odd. And I think it's important that viewers understand this. For you and me as people of color, we watched today folks do things that as a black man in America, I would be murdered for. I have no doubt in my mind that had I and 29,000 of my closest friends gotten together and decided that we were going to storm the United States Capitol, damage property, put law enforcement officers' safety and lives at risk, that there would not have been a limit to the amount of force that would have been used to respond to that. And I think that that's really important that we understand because we can't keep having this conversation about the disparity in criminal justice in America, the disparity in police culture in America and how toxic it is and ignore things like that. The, the difference is appalling. It's not surprising for those of us who have been paying attention, but it's very, very real. Absolutely, and it just seemed to be very much a brazen, blatant display of white supremacy and that unified sense of white solidarity with the police officers there who were just allowing these insurrectionists to really just storm the Capitol building without any kind of limits or restrictions whatsoever. And it's, it's, it's scary and that is really what their message is that they're all trying to communicate to us that, hey, these people who are supposed to protect and serve aren't necessarily here to do that if you look a certain way. And we really got to see that when we saw this past summer with the protests that were galvanized by anti-racism. And so what do you think it will say to people moving forward in terms of bringing out the vote as this is now coming on the heels of the Georgia Senator election and the black vote truly coming out and essentially helping take the Senate? Well, I think that that's a very good question. And it raises sort of the, the, the inquiry around where do we go from here as a nation? Because I think in order to answer that, we have to be very clear about how we got here. This is to me representative of the juncture of cultural, societal, and then political sort of boiling over all together in the same cauldron at the same time. And I think that there are a number of different factors that have contributed to how we got here. And we're not gonna be able to move forward until we look at what those are and we're honest with ourselves. Culturally, we have become increasingly polarized in terms of how we have discussions, in terms of our ability to disagree without being disagreeable, in terms of our desire or willingness to see each other in our wholeness. From a societal standpoint, 
quite frankly, there's a lot of blame to be to that has gone around because, you know, for the past four years, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue has been a reality show of ratings gold. People have sort of kept their eyes fixated on the president, on what he has talked about, whether you agreed with him, whether you didn't agree with him. His candidacy, his presidency from the moment that he declared all the way to today has been sort of must see TV. And that has only fanned the flames of where we are. And then politically, of course, there have been a number of people in the GOP who have refused to stand by, I'm sorry, who've been refused to stand up and condemn what has what has been going on, what has been festering. And so all of these things have sort of laid a very fertile ground for what we saw today in Washington DC and quite frankly throughout the country and what we've been seeing. And until we're able to address that, you know, I think a lot of people are sort of going to wonder how much of this can the democratic process fit fix? How much of my vote is going to be able to change the tone and tenor of America's discourse around toxic toxic policing, around criminal justice reform, and around these other positions and issues that actually matter? So I think a lot of it goes back to asking the question and being honest about how do we get here before we can talk about where we move on from. Absolutely, and one of the ways that we got here was through program 1033 where the US Department of Defense had transferred so many billion dollars, I think around 7 billion in military equipment to local police and law enforcement, essentially militarizing our police departments. And so now they have their own tanks, you know, flamethrowers, all sorts of things that are unnecessary when it comes to really relating to a community and helping serve them. So, hey, what can we do to stop this process of police continuing to see the everyday citizens that they serve as opponents in almost a military context. Well, you know, I don't think that we can expect policing to make changes to itself from within. I think that if that was the case, that would have been uh, that would have taken place a long time ago. And all of the conversations that I've had in community with different groups, uh, with different professionals sitting at the table, my experience has been law enforcement is the one uh, 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 industry profession that refuses to really hold itself accountable. And they usually respond by saying, well, you don't understand the job of a cop. You don't understand how difficult it is to do this job. And what I often say is, how is it that we can all concede that we can improve at our profession? And yet law enforcement unfailingly is the one group of folks who refuses to give an inch when it comes to the need to perhaps engage differently or do things differently or look at things in a different way. And so to that extent, I don't expect that cultural change to come from, from within. I think that it's a, a change that has to be prompted by the people who are put in office, by the people who have platforms to, to continue to apply pressure on law enforcement. And you know, the the conversation that we have around toxic police culture in America is one that for me now only underscores the importance of abolishing qualified immunity. So that was something that was a conversation during election season. To some extent, especially as we saw this summer of civil unrest around the different acts of police violence committed against black bodies. But it kind of sort of went away after the results came out, primarily because many people were just excited that, you know, Trump had lost. But the reality is, going forward, if you're talking about criminal justice reform, if you're talking about making things better and detoxifying the culture of police in America, 
you have to have a conversation about qualified immunity and getting rid of it because you know that's the one counter that you have to militarizing the police as we saw over the past several years. Absolutely, and something that kind of almost got overlooked just a bit, or at least we didn't get a chance to spend as much time on it, is the results of the Jacob Blake investigation where the prosecutors essentially came forward and said, we are not going to prosecute the police officers that put multiple bullets in his back and left him paralyzed. And the thought that the rationale there in terms of, oh, he had a knife, that it was justified. These are things we hear all the time and they are problematic. And so how would you address that at the local lower level when you have institutions that are unwilling to hold their officers accountable? So that's a great question. I think that we have to really examine where the power players are, you know, and every every jurisdiction is going to be different, every place is going to be different. I know that for example in New York where I reside and where I practice law, the police union is a behemoth of an animal and that's something that is extremely hard to counter and hard to deal with. I think that the way that you sort of navigate that space, if you're, you know, Joe Joe Citizen USA, is that you really do have to have a set of criminal justice non-negotiables for anyone who is seeking your vote. And I think that when it comes to on a local and a state level, especially as it relates to those folks who are looking for your support in positions of law enforcement, be it a state attorney general or a local prosecutor, the question that we should all be asking them as a non-negotiable, if you want the support of my vote, if you want me to advocate for other people to vote for you, if you want me to bring people to the polls, you need to be very clear with me about what it is that you intend to do to dismantle the institution of qualified immunity. And I think that that's how you approach it on a local level. All right, absolutely. I like that approach, most definitely. Thank you so much for joining us. Charles Coleman Jr., can you tell us where they can find you on social media? Thanks for having me. You can find me on Twitter at CF Coleman Jr. On Facebook, it's Charles F. Coleman Jr. The verified page is right there. And then on Instagram, it's CFC40 underscore official. So you can look me up, I'm on all three. Fantastic, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me.